0: Hello, DOSA Leadership fans. Welcome to the show. Great conversation today. Amy Downs is on the show. What a fascinating journey she's been on. She was a self-described, as she put it, lazy college dropout. And then on April 19th, 1995, she was working as a credit card loan officer at the Federal Employees Credit Union, located in the Alfred P. Murrah Federal Building in Oklahoma City, when she found herself buried alive upside down in the basement of a nine-story building. What a tragic event with 168 people killed and more than half of her colleagues dying from the deadliest act of domestic violence in American history. Downs was one of the last people pulled out of the rubble alive. She was pulled out six hours after the bombing took place. And she's not a miracle because she survived the bombing, which is an amazing story by itself, but it's the transformation that took place in her life after the bombing that is the miracle story. Now, 25 years later, she is anything but lazy. In fact, she is the CEO of the exact same credit union that crumbled to the ground in 1995. She's got a new book out there called Hope is a Verb, My Journey of Impossible Transformation. She became a mom. She went back to college, attained her MDA. She lost 200 pounds and became an Ironman at the age of 50. The important thing is this is not an overnight transformation. It's the result of hard work, determination, a near-death scenario that prompted massive, massive change. I love the book. She draws parallels between the mental and physical strategies she had to employ to complete the Ironman triathlon and the same hard work that she spent working on herself in the 20 years following the bombing. Fascinating, powerful conversation. You're really going to enjoy Amy Downs. Uh, Just an amazing story. It's what I love doing this job or having this podcast is, is getting to meet people like her. She lives in Oklahoma City. and She's a frequent speaker across the country. I hope you really enjoy this conversation. It's brought to you by Equity Bank. Over two years now, over 50 episodes. It's been exciting to watch them grow into one of the fastest growing banks in the Midwest. They're listed on the NASDAQ exchange. They have been for quite a while. they got locations all across the Midwest, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Missouri, with ex- plans to expand even further. And they truly understand entrepreneurship. They truly understand leadership. And so if your current bank is more of a follower than a leader and you want to Find somebody that understands what it means to run a business, what it means to be an entrepreneur, who values leadership. Then go check out Equity Bank. Go to EquityBank.com to learn more. All right, let's get on with this powerful conversation with Amy Downs, the CEO of Allegiance Credit Union and the author of Hope is a Verb here on Dose of Leadership. Amy Downs on Dose of Leadership. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me. I am super excited to be here today.
0: I'm excited to talk to you, your book, which I was reading last night. Uh, oh man, amazing. Hope is a Verb is the name of the book. But the part where you were physically trapped in the Murrah building, it was just harrowing. It's just, you know, and of course it's personal to me, like we were talking earlier, that my my Marine recruiter, officer recruiter was in that building. And I think you were telling me probably on the same floor you were on, I think, coming yes. to find out. Yeah. Right. You fell three stories, right? And you were buried upside down in your chair with all that concrete around you, just completely.
1: Right. Completely I buried just, alive, basically. Buried alive.
0: Yeah. It, you know, I don't even know where to start because your transformation, uh, obviously the physical transformation that you've had, what was your peak weight? And I'm looking at you now, and you look fantastic. I mean, but oh. you were 355 pounds. Was that your high, heaviest you were? were I quit weighing,
1: yes. So I don't know if I ever got above that or not, but 355 was um, the last reading I remember seeing.
0: And were you that heavy when you were trapped when the yes. explosion happened? Okay. Wow. Yes,
1: I was, which I think is why my chair was still stuck to me, actually, <laughs> <laughs> which which they did tell me probably protected me. So there you go.
0: And okay, so we've got that. We've got the physical transformation. We could spend two hours just talking about that, like how you transformed, and, and how old were you when you were at your peak weight? Let me get, let's get that perspective for my listeners. What, how old were you? Uh, well, I know so I'm not,
1: women how about old? forty, almost forty years old. How old are you now? I am getting ready to turn fifty-four.
0: Fifty-four. Okay, yeah, we're about the same age, right? I'm fifty-two. Sorry, I know I'm not supposed to ask how old, but I think it's Men. important case you yeah. know no, this that's okay so physical transformation you're working at a bank and is it a teller type position or what was it i mean tell me yeah, what it
1: so happened. um i you know was I, th- I think this is kind of funny actually so in 1988 i went to work for a credit union which was inside this federal building because i had flunked out of college because i couldn't pass a math class so i thought Give me a cash drawer and I'll be a teller since I don't do math very well. <laughs> right. So yeah, I had been working at this credit union, this financial institution, for seven years at the time of the bombing.
0: Yeah, so um, college dropout, you're not good at math. You become a bank teller, trying to find a husband. Newly married, right? You were like, okay, I, I got to find a husband. Your life was comp- my. What I'm trying to do is paint the pictures that your life is completely transformed. You're you're a completely different woman. I mean, both right. mentally physically, spiritually, I I don't think I've come across someone with such a a remarkable transformation. I mean, I, I think you realize how unique this is, right? I mean, I'm not,
1: you know, I do. And I also don't because the transformation, you know, it's not like I was in the bombing. They rescued me, cue the Rocky music. I went running (laughs) out and like started this transformation. It didn't work that way. Right. It, took a lot of years to start getting traction and it was, you know, two steps forward, one step back and it was small, consistent steps over time, you know, um, looking back that you're like, wow, wow. I mean, it kind of shocks me, um, because it didn't feel dramatic because it was so small over time.
0: That was the, what I was trying to get at because that was the big message that I got out of reading your story was this consistency of the small habits. You're right. I think on the surface we'd think, okay, you're obviously your splat moment was the surviving of the Oklahoma City bombing. I'm a 355 pound woman and I transformed into this triathlete and eventually the CEO of the bank of the credit union that I started working for as a teller. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing story and you're right. And you think in the movie version, you get pulled out of the rubble and, Right, the Rocky music's cueing, and everything happened easy. But there was a lot of work, a lot of limiting beliefs, still, a lot of doubt, a lot of muddy work to do. And the way he did it was through the small, this consistency. That was that's what that's what stuck out to me was the consistency of the small habits that compound over time. And I love how you put it that way.
1: It the the thing is the what the bombing did is it gave me clarity. Right. So I had that life flashing before your eyes. Moment, moments, six and a half hours, you know, of being trapped in very six, six and a half,
0: six and a half. Yeah,
1: six and a half. And at one point, they came to me, I thought they were going to get me out, and they started yelling that there was another bomb and they had yeah. to
0: leave. And they left. So, How long? Yeah, did I left. Yeah. So
1: I had about 45 minutes where I then knew that what had happened was a bomb, and now there's another one. And my reality for 45 minutes was that I was getting ready to die.
0: And you tried to even, you even tried to end it then. And then that 45 mm-hmm. minutes, you tried to essentially kill yourself, right? You're like, yeah, I don't want I to, did.
1: I thought, <laughs> I th- I, I, so, you know, you're desperate. You're thinking I'm going to die. This bomb's going to go off. And I remember thinking it's so hard to breathe. I'm just going to quit trying to breathe. And like, I'm somehow going to control my own death here and die peacefully. And yes, that is as ridiculous as it sounds. It doesn't work. And then I remember thinking, I'll try to make myself fall asleep. If I could fall asleep, then maybe it won't hurt when I die,
0: you mm-hmm. know? I
1: mean, just crazy stuff, right? Going through your head. And um, you know, that time, that 45 minutes where life was flashing and I was thinking about what's really important, gave me such clarity and it's never left me. And it it that regret that my heart was just so sick. And, yeah. and, and the regret was so powerful. I don't want to feel that again. And I don't want anyone to ever feel that. And
0: that's pretty, so powerful. that
1: is why I wrote the book. That's why I talk about it is because I want people to know, and you don't have to, you know, go become a triathlete or lose 200 pounds, like whatever the thing is for you though, to live your life fully. That's what I want to encourage people to really do is not have that regret at the end of their life.
0: I love that. You know, that's one of my biggest, my greatest fears. And one is I don't want to get to the end of of the road and be sitting in that deathbed and have the regret monsters or the woulda, coulda, shoulda dreams walking around the deathbed, looking at me, shaking its head going, if you only just would have started or done something right. And so I love how you said about the clarity piece. So emphasize what were some of the clarifying moments, what was that alignment and clarity that became crystal clear after that splat moment?
1: So the first thing that became clear to me, um, you know, well, was the obvious I was getting ready to die and I'm thinking, you know, I really probably should have been paying attention to my spiritual life. Yeah, Like, you know, so that was the one in front of me. I'm getting ready to step over to eternity and I've not had I've not been nurturing any side of, of my spiritual life. And, and so immediately I realized how important that was to me. Um, relationships with my family back home, I had let slide because I had gained 200 pounds. I was ashamed. I was embarrassed and I didn't want to see them. So I didn't go back home. And this is before, you know, we all had cell phones and email. And so those relationships just deteriorated. And so in those moments, I realized that relationships are actually the most important, precious thing we have, whether that's your relationship with God or your family or your friends, Mm -hmm. like that's important. Um, And then the other side of that is the in the relationship with others is helping and serving others Mm -hmm. and realizing that that's really the purpose that I want to have in life is to feel that I am helping and serving other people. And so now I'm dying and I've really lived this rather selfish, complacent, floating through life, you know, life. And I felt like there was just nothing to show for me having lived, you know?
0: I love how you, how, what became important to you. You said two things. It was basically Two things, but it's really one thing is relationship. Number one, relationship with God for you, the spiritual side and the relationship. It's funny when I've asked people, including myself, and where people are focused on what culture, society deems as successful. I'm like, I want to be successful. And I'm like, what does that mean? And they'll say things that you know, I want to have this X amount of dollars. If I had this house on the lake, if I had this. And it was all these kind of – and then I always – asked the question because it was asked of me, it's like what does it mean to have a significant life? And everybody kind of sinks back and like, whoa. And when they and the answers become consistent when I and that's what I'm hearing from you is that, well, I want to know that my relationships mattered. I want to know I want my kids to be proud of me. I want my my spouse to say, yeah, he was a good man. Um and that's all around relationships, right? Right. And it's an interesting how you said that was what you deemed was most important. So you get out of that moment, you're in the mud I call those in the mud moments, right? Yeah. And even yeah. when you pulled out and you're alive and you realize, and I can imagine, okay, now what I'm going to do, you've had that clarity. Now you got to get to work. Right. I, it would almost seem overwhelming to me if I was, was in that situation. I It I don't was know. overwhelming. Yeah. It
1: was absolutely overwhelming. And so um, once I, you know, you know, I did have the, you know, the 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 moment where they pulled me out. They put me on the back of the gurney. They took me out of the federal building, oh, and yeah, I'm, I'm alive. Yeah. I'm alive, and I, I promise God, like I'm never going to live my life the same. And you know, and then I go to the hospital, and I start finding out that one by one, you know, thirty three of my coworkers, mm-hmm. eighteen of them are killed. C- and the C- business that I worked for lost its only location. We lost our business model. We lost over half our staff. Like, what do we do? How do we move forward? And it became very important for me to make sure that the business succeeded because I wanted to make sure the memories of my friends, I, I somehow felt those were connected, right? So if the if the business continues and the memory of my friends lives on. So... Um, I just became very, very focused on work for a little while, so that took a lot of focus for a few years was getting work going, but I never forgot that burning desire to want to live my life different. I didn't quite know how to do it yet, but there was something different in me that I knew I wanted i I wanted to live my life different, and I would just start trying in very, very small ways to move forward and really live intentionally.
0: I love that answer because the reality of the depressed of, of you're in the mud and hooray, I'm pulling myself out of the mud. And then the reality of the gravity of the situation starts presenting itself. The deaths.
1: Yeah. It's the not na- mud. It's quicksand. Yeah. It,
0: yeah. And it, it, the gravity of like, Oh my God, it, nothing like this has ever happened in the United States. I mean, it's a national, it's a worldwide news event. Um, babies were killed. I mean, it's just, I, I, you're going to sink even further, but the yeah. burning desire was still there. And you had the courage to at least recognize it, or it had the self awareness and the courage to recognize that it was still there. Mm-hmm. That's interesting to me that I find that fascinating because you and I can experience the same event. And I'm sure there are people who, survivors who were in that event that um, there were survivors there that didn't do what you did. They sunk even further and some have never even recovered. Right. I mean, that's the reality. And that, that fascinates me that you and I can experience the same traumatic event. One of us excels and takes that like you did. And like myself, I turn to drugs and maybe even suicide. I'm fascinated by that juxtaposition or that choice, if that makes sense.
1: So I think, I think a, a, a very important thing that worked in my favor was that, um, We had a CEO come to work for us. Our our CEO retired that we had at the time of the bombing. A new CEO came on board and she was a mentor to me. And um, she was someone who studied leadership and, um, you know, studied successful people, studied their habits. And I began, I was very impressed with her and I started trying to, you know, emulate her. And I remember one time she asked me, she said, uh, you know, Amy, if you had a magic wand, what would you do? Is the magic wand question. But it it was so powerful because, you know, when she first said it, I was like, huh? Like a magic wand? What? And she goes, and I was hesitant to say the answer. And she goes, no, there's no wrong answer. You have a magic wand. And somehow that silly thing, you have a magic wand, there's no wrong answer opened up my mind to possibilities that I might not have thought of before. And I suddenly started saying, well, and this was about business, but I started saying like, you know, our culture would be great. We would, all these things we would do. And the most powerful thing she said to me though, was this, given your current situation and your current limitations, what is one small thing you can do to move forward? And what that did was it took me out of being the victim role, because now all of a sudden what she did was she put it on me. Like, okay, you just dreamed up this this thing you want. Now what is one thing that you can do to move forward in that? And I remember walking away from that conversation just like, wow, like what just happened? Mm -hmm. And so we learned to get really good at making these action steps that were so small, you couldn't screw them up. And one day I was sitting there and I I thought, you know, we have I'm I'm like a rock star at work. What is wrong with me that I can't do this in my personal life? Like, you know, I say I want to live life different. I say I want to do all this. And I've been able to become amazing at work, but I'm not amazing over here. Like, what if I apply this to my personal life? I remember I took out an index card out of my desk drawer and I wrote, I want to go back to college on one side. And on the other side, I wrote down the smallest, simplest step, which was to look up the phone number for LSU because I knew I was going to have to get that God awful transcript from them to even (laughs) do anything. And then the next step was find an accredited college that will actually take me because my transcript was the grade point average was a 0.50. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. How long, okay, so this woman, this mentor, she was the CEO of the credit union at the time? Mm -hmm. Is that right? Mm
1: -hmm. Yes.
0: What was the relationship like pre-bombing and then post-bombing? So why the clarity after the bombing, I guess, when she said that? How long ago after the bombing was she saying this to you? So
1: I would say this was probably about, um, probably 1997, so probably two years after the bombing.
0: Two years after the bombing. Okay.
1: Uh, so we were in a, we were in a uh, like, okay, so imagine this, you lost over half your staff. You have to hire people very quickly. So mm-hmm. we hired all new people without much screening. So we sort of had a lot of different personalities. And so we had a culture that was not very healthy. So we had a lot of problems in the organization because of all the change and everything that we had to do. So about two years after the bombing, we were really feeling the strain of, all of that quick change. And that's when, you know, she asked if you had a magic wand, what would you do to fix this place? What would it look, what would it look like if this place was fixed or better or whatever? And, you know, I, I love this idea that, that hope is the idea that your future is better than your past and that you have a role to play in making it so. And that's what she was doing. She was creating hope. She was saying, what do you see this future look like? And then turning around and saying, okay, you have agency over the path to get us there. You figure out, given your situation, your limitations, what are the smallest steps you can take to get there? And it's, it's like, wow, all of a sudden you realize, like, I have some agency over this path to get me to this better and brighter future.
0: I love that and it's amazing to me and again I, I, what i'm what i'm really amazed about or what i think it's important is this is 2 years after the bombing I'm, I'm and i i like that perspective because there's there's that work there right that it's not instantaneous that it takes that tremendous amount of work so how going back and then how was she impacting your life before the bombing or was she at all, or was it because you didn't have you, your eyes and ears weren't open enough to whatever she was saying at the time? That's what I'm curious.
1: So about. she actually was hired after the bomb after
0: the bombing, Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. All right. So
1: our, our existing CEO retired about a year or so after the bombing and she was hired to step okay. in and take over.
0: What a godsend, right?
1: Oh my gosh. And, and you know, I had, the, just the blessing of working with her for 20 years. And it's because of her that I, you know, having a mentor to teach me and, you know, somebody to help me along the way that I actually, um, she, she saw in me the potential to be CEO before I saw it in myself.
0: I love that. Mm -hmm. And I talk about that so many times on the show, the importance of how many stories that we're, we've come across and we've all experienced it, that person that's come into my life and it's, what is the, I'm going to screw up this saying, but like, you know, whenever the, the student's ready, the teacher appears or whatever type of thing. Yes. And it's, it, that's, that's, that's that story for you. Yes. You were ready for, for whatever in two years, it took two years for you to be ready to receive that message. Yeah. Like if she would have, if she would have said that thing to you two weeks after the bombing, you probably wouldn't have heard it for whatever mm-hmm. reason.
1: No. Right. But when I was ready, the teacher the appeared. Teacher That's appeared. so true.
0: Yep. I, the importance of, and it shows to us, you're, you know, I know service is a big thing for you and I agree with you. I mean, that shows the power of influence and the power of mm-hmm. the whole purpose of leadership is to give back, is to yes sacrifice and give so others may prosper. And in doing so, you become everything you were chasing, everything you were chasing, all those buckets you were looking for, they get exponentially overfilled because you're doing this, right?
1: Right, right, right. And so after, you know, having this, I thought, man, you know, I'm going to apply this to my personal life. So I started doing that. And by the time I got my degree, you know, my confidence was just through the roof and that's what happens. You know, when you start experiencing um, success and you start, you know, um, putting in these habits and these things in your life that, you start seeing like, wow, this is working. It just, you know, it, 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 it starts compounding and you want to do it more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's what I love about your story. I mean, is the, it's the testament to all of the things we talk about, the power of the baby steps, the compounding, and it just starts to build. Hey, we're about halfway through the conversation, but I wanted to take the time to talk about my good friends, the sponsor here of this special series at Equity Bank. Have you ever noticed that most business bankers seem to really understand just one thing? It's banking, right? And not a lot about business. It makes sense since most banks were built generations ago, and now they're often run by caretakers, not business builders. Well, it's not the case here at Equity Bank. The bankers at Equity Bank didn't inherit a bank generations ago. They built one of their own. They know that building something takes expertise, vision, and hard work. And over the past decade, they've built one of the region's fastest-growing banks by working side-by-side with customers, with entrepreneurs, with leaders in communities all throughout Kansas, Missouri, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. Recently, Equity Bank was listed on the NASDAQ exchange, which gives them even greater capabilities to take on those big deals that growing businesses need to keep on growing. So if you're tired of talking to bankers who've never really ran or owned or built a business, then I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised when you talk to my friends at Equity Bank. Thanks for listening to this show. Let's get back to the conversation, this unique and special series on leadership and entrepreneurship brought to you by my friends at Equity Bank how do you in those moments even even though um as you're building and you're starting to see it in the confidence you're still dealing with limiting beliefs and, and self-doubt that's what I think is oh. important. one of the I mean it's a daily battle right even today oh yeah right
1: absolutely absolutely I deal with it all the time um how,
0: how do you slay those dragons how do you battle that when it when it presents itself
1: and I love that term slay slay your dragons I heard that on your podcast uh, earlier and I wrote that down because mm-hmm. that is so <laughs> true. And you made a comment that sometimes we slay the same dragon.
0: It, it, right. And I, I think it was Stephen Pressfield where I got this from, where he says that the prof- the difference between the professional and the amateur is this. The professional understands that he may be slaying, he or she may be slaying the same dragons day after day. Yes. And you're okay with that. You just realize yes. that's the reality. That's the price of admission towards yes. doing a significant life. Yeah.
1: Yes. And I, I wrote that down because... Um, and I'm going to just be a little vulnerable here. Um, so I wonder, you know, I, 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 as I wrote that down, I know what my dragon is and everybody else knows what it is because I wear my dragon, Hmm. which is, I struggle with my nutrition Mm -hmm. and my discipline, um, in regards to eating and I wear it. So people see and know what my self-discipline, um, dragon is. Yeah. But I wonder, and I think to myself, does everyone have a dragon? And I I I, I feel like they
0: do. I think they do. You know,
1: and, and I think everyone has something. Everybody has a thing. And um I think the encouragement to know that we all have a dragon to slay and yeah. that we're all in, in, in a fight against something in our lives um, should bring us encouragement to know we're not alone.
0: Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think, and I even think it was, it was the show that revealed that to me. Like I, that's how late in life it took me to realize that. Yeah. I I think all my mistakes, my leadership failures, my marriage almost falling apart completely because of my stupidity, because I was chasing validation. I was chasing a low self-esteem. I was chasing whatever. And the moment that I found out, and it was through conversations on this show with talking to people who achieve significant things, they're like, I struggle with this every day. I mm-hmm. still feel like the stupid kid who only gets D's, you know? And I'm like, wait, you're, a mo- how? I'm like, no. And it's, it was liberating for me is what you're saying. And an yeah. encouragement is I agree with you hundred percent. We should be, yeah. okay, if that's the way life is, right. let's get on with it. And let's just, yep. and let's get around each other and help yeah. each other slay dragons. That's how that I see. Seems-
1: it. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
0: That's powerful stuff. I mean, I, I, I see that. That's why I think it's so. Why your story? That's the part of the story that I think is uh, unique is the wrong word because there's so many people. Like, because when I say unique, I don't want to say unique because, because I want people to realize that I mean, your story to me, particularly, is like you're just the everyday average mm-hmm.
1: woman. Mm-hmm. And I don't
0: mean that in the, you know what I mean by that.
1: No, I absolutely,
0: 100%. And we're all capable of achieving significant yes. things. And it's never too late. I think those no. are the that I got, right?
1: Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I had a, I had, I had a kid that I saw at a, a bike ride. I'm, I'm a cyclist, I love riding. And I was at a, a bike ride uh, before COVID hit. And this this young kid um, was there and he had an Iron Man t shirt. And I saw it and I said, Hey, I said, So have you done an Iron Man? And he goes, Oh no, no, I can't, I can't do an Man. He goes, I want to, like, I really want to yeah. one day, but I, 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 you know, I can't do that. And I said, really, why not? And he goes, Oh, I, I'm not fast enough. I, I just don't think I'm fast enough. And, um, I said, really, I said, well, what's your, what's your speed on, on the bike? And he goes, Oh, I'm only in the, you know, 19 mile per hour, you know, average. And I said, really, I said, you know, I, I completed an Man when I turned 50. Mm-hmm. Um, and my speed was about 16 miles per hour on the bike. So I don't think you have a good excuse there. (laughs) And the look on his face, because he could see me, right? I don't have an athlete's body. I'm 50 years old. (laughs) And he looks at me and you just see the look on his face like, oh, holy crap. Like if she can do it, well then heck, maybe I can do it. And that's my point. And it's not, you know, if you, if you set your mind to it and you you exercise that discipline and those, you know, I love, I love the book, Tiny Habits by yeah. J. Fogg. And, love you know, it. you, you set about intentionally putting some habits and some things in your life to walk you toward that thing you want. You'll get there. You will get there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the daily grind though. I think, and, and I, and I think one message, one other message I get out of your book is that, even though this is a process and it's a grind and it takes a while, it's it's a joyful discomfort, right? And I mm-hmm. think that's something you've come to realize late in life. Being a triathlete, you cannot be a successful triathlete or any kind of athlete that has that level of endurance without it being joyfully difficult. I love that phrase. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It sucks terribly.
1: Embrace embrace the suck. Embrace the because. suck, right? Yeah. Yep.
0: Because when you but when you get on the other side of it. It gives. I don't know. I I think about like, and I look at all those things that I've I've been in the miserable of situations, and I just kept pressing forward. And just the way that you feel afterwards is it's almost it's physically and mentally hard to describe. It's hard to put into words for me anyway. It is right. Mm -hmm. But well,
1: I have a I have a saying um, in my closet that I see every morning, and it's the you know the more difficult the challenge, the greater the glory like isn't that true like if we didn't face those those hardships and those challenges then what where would the joy be right it, it's all it's only for the dark of the night that we're like enjoy the, the morning you that's know
0: right. I love that because it, uh, the other yeah I love how you put that because I think the only um, the alternative to that is a life of mediocrity mm-hmm. and to yeah. me I think that's the death nail and that's to, what
1: I had before it right. was not painful it was complacent and it was just floating through complacent Boring, Mm -hmm. comfortable life,
0: right? And it and leading a significant life, a not mediocre life, doesn't have to be a triathlete becoming a CEO. It's whatever's personal to you. I think is the important thing, right? So I think I think sometimes people like, well, I don't, yeah, well, you don't have to be a triathlete. What it, it, whatever your victory is, I mean, that's to you. And
1: and, the- and and that's where, and I know you, I've heard you talk about this is the, you know, the power of those morning habits. Yeah. You know, I think one of the most powerful habits that I have is just carving out, um, at, you know, that, that time of reflection in the morning, I agree. whether that is 15 minutes for you or three hours, like it is for me. Like it's that morning time to reflect on your life and really think if I had a magic wand, What would my relationships look like? What would my life look like? And, you know, maybe for somebody that magic one thought is I want to have an annual vacation with my kids or my family every year, right? And so the, the grind for them, the slow for them is setting aside the, you know, $50 a paycheck or whatever it is, you know, to save the money for the trip, scheduling the trip, but on that trip they're going to build these relationships maybe and you know and then 5 years later they do this every year and they look back and they have a closer relationship you know with their family i mean it's, it you know it it could be different things for different people
0: and i think it's the it's the baby steps piece i agree with you i think nothing has has helped me or trans or helped set me on the path of transformation and transformation may be too on a word a uh, uh, a renovation but i guess right we're always ready, like that right Um, because transformation is like, I've completely stripped myself because I got a lot of good stuff, right? That's what I want to look at. I mean, I got a lot of good stuff I can build on. I just want to renovate some.
1: Renovate. I like
0: that. Bad parts of my life. And I think I was focused on transformation. I'm like, yeah, I want to be the guy like Tim Ferriss. I want to get up and at 5am and I'm going to journal and I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to write a thousand words for my next book. And then I'm going to walk and then, and then I'm going to make breakfast for my wife. And, you know, and then I don't do any of those things. And I, I feel like a failure. And then I just said, you know what? I'm just gonna get up and say five minutes of gratitude. I'm not gonna look at my phone. I'm just gonna go, you know what? I got a warm roof over my head. Somebody in this world does not have one right now. I have a warm bed. Look, my dogs are laying at the bed. I got healthy dogs. My kids are in the room, they're asleep, they're healthy. And you just build on it, right? right. That to me, that one little thing, just doing that, yep. totally changed my life. Right. And then it's writing. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's talk a little bit about spirituality because this is particularly when you deal with tragedies like this. Now, I know that in your book, and you do a great—you know—you started—you you started finding some peace near the the end after your failed, you know, trying to kill yourself, hold your breath, and hopefully you go to sleep moment. Then you started just kind of talking to God in a normal way and not expecting much, and you and you kind of felt the presence, right? I thought that was kind of—I thought it was a very powerful part of the book for me. Yeah. And again, I'm not pushing anybody can believe whatever they want, but I do think there's right. some level of, I think there's a requirement mm-hmm. of spirituality to have a success to, to lead in this life. I, I, th- it, I think it's a requirement. And, I, and again, I'm not pushing a religion on anybody, but I do think I there can... has to be a spiritual component that you're part of something bigger than yourself.
1: That's, I was just getting ready to say that. I think it's the thing that I don't want to walk through this life and not think I'm not part of a bigger picture. Yeah.
0: Cause it just feels so lonely. Right. I mean, was yeah. so cold. That's I'm with you. Yeah.
1: yeah. And I, so for me, um, you know, it was this moment of just talking to God and then singing, actually, <laughs> of all things.
0: Ah, I love that. you um, singing. Yeah.
1: And feeling at peace with what was going to happen next. And I thought that was, that I was going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, the faith component, the the spiritual side of it has been really big because the problems that we deal with in life, especially as we're trying to move forward past our demons and all those things are bigger than we can bear sometimes. Yeah, And sometimes we wear our friends slick with our problems, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, I want to be able to talk to a God that's... I feel like I can talk to you about what's going on in my struggles and I, you know, that just for me, um, it gives me the strength I need to face the things I, I know that I'm going to face.
0: That's a great way to put it uh, because I, you can't do it by yourself. That's how I look at it. I can't do this by myself. So w- what are my options? And well, right. and, and I think however it works, I think it taps into it taps into the subconscious for me, and it gets past the ego. That's why I think mm-hmm. the spirituality piece is so important. And once you tap into the subconscious, then anything's possible. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's a, a large part of your trans transformation or your mm-hmm. renovation, if you will. Mm-hmm. I like that. Your renovation was was tapping into that subconscious and planting seeds mm-hmm. in that. And and that's the realm where anything's possible because the subconscious doesn't know what's real and what's not it believes what you tell it and i think if you start planting those seeds then you that's how i see it yeah and why it's important but what i'm curious about in particular someone like you who's experienced this and then in such a, such a national global tragic event is i always struggle with this is particularly when i see all that death and that like you know you're, you're you're having lunch with these people a week before and you're like why and this person just had everything and why this person died and you and you survived where is God in all this trash? You know what I mean? Because that's yeah. I every time something just happens, I'm like, why would a God look? Why? Why? Them? Did you, yeah. how did you, how did you deal with that?
1: Oh, it, it, it's still a big messy question. Right. <laughs> um, I remember, you know, well-meaning people, um, You know, we always say the wrong things to people, (laughs) battling things, right? I do it all the time. I I know I do. I'm just like, and I'll say, look, I'm saying it wrong and messy, but I don't want to not say anything, right? I want to show you I care. I want to say something. So people would say things like, oh, you lived because God has a purpose for you. Yeah. And then, so the the unsaid thing is, well, your best work buddy, Sonia, who had two-year-old and three-year-old baby girls at home. Mm -hmm. God didn't think she had a purpose so she didn't get to live but you lived because you've got a purpose and that just made me ill I did not like that I was not comfortable with that Mm -hmm. and so the way I reconciled all of this is we just don't know I just my belief is is that one day when I I um, step over into eternity that I will have a different uh glorified mind or something. And I will now understand and know what all these things are that have gone on behind the veil that I can't see that I don't know that I just, I had to leave it up to, I do not understand this. It doesn't seem right. I don't know. And I'm going to have to be okay with that.
0: I think that's, I think that is the best way to look at it. You know, and and if you, if you dissect that belief, that really is a fundamental requirement of leadership. Like all the great leaders that I've studied that I, wanted, I want to be like, that I want to emulate, they all this, this component of faith of like, I don't know how we're going to get this done, but I just know it's going to happen. I know we're going to get it done. And that's kind of what you're saying in that. It's like, look, I, this is bigger than me. I don't know. And I think when people start going, oh, God has a plan for you. We're trying to put things in a box with a bow.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And right. there's just something. The universe is so big. God is so big. I I don't know, but I do know this, that I felt him in this moment. That was real to me, and I'm going to latch onto that, and my time here is short, and I'm not going to waste another minute. I think that's the best you can do, right?
1: Yes. And And to
0: try to come up with the answers for the universe is is folly. You're never going to know. No. I don't know why this person died and I lived. I've talked to a lot of, like, I had a World War II friend that was a vet in Iwo Jima. And, you know, he saw things the 17, 18-year-olds should, just shouldn't have to see, period. Just the brutal humanity of the inhumanity of man, the most horrific things. And some of the best people died. And then he lived without a scratch almost, basically. And he had to deal with that this whole life. And he kind of said the same thing. I don't know. But I do know that I'm here. And if if I waste another minute, then I'm going to be shaming all those people who didn't make it. And he used that fuel for that good buddy of his who had on paper more than he had. He had the smarts, the talents, the looks. He had a a business waiting for him to run. He had a wife at home, the kids waiting for him in the States. And his life was tragically cut short. So the only way I could reconcile with this, I got to live a life for him. And I thought that was a healthy way to look at it. And it's kind of what you're doing, right? It's like, okay, I'm doing this so I don't waste. You know, I let their sacrifice die in vain. I, I, think I, I think I so
1: understand that. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. I felt like I have a second chance at life. And what good is it going to be for me to go in my house, draw the curtains, never go out, live in the survivor guilt, live in this morning. Like, how is that doing anything? I have a second chance. I need to live it. That's what they would want me to do.
0: Yeah. 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 Amazing. How did you, how did the process of becoming the CEO happen? That is amazing to me. You never in your wildest dreams thought you would be the CEO of the organization you started working at. I mean, and, and I list, I look at the the person who joined in 1988, <laughs> you were the last person that you would think in self-included that you were going to be the CEO of this someday. Right.
1: I, Oh my gosh. You have just no idea how crazy it is. <laughs> So crazy! A friend of mine yesterday. I was talking on the phone to a friend of mine, and I mm. spouted off something about needing to look at financials about something, and she was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! <laughs> this is Amy saying something about looking at financials. Who are you?
0: <laughs> this, is this is the,
1: the same uh, girl who has to count on her fingers sometimes when right. I leave a tip,
0: like is, the blind guy gives you. I need some ones. Gives you a twenty, and you give him two thousand dollars in change. You know. <laughs>
1: You know, I got to tell you, so I really did do that. For people listening, I really did give out a pack of hundreds instead of a pack of ones uh, to Raymond, the blind guy who ran the snack bar upstairs. And I call, I love Raymond. I love him so much. And I called him the day I became CEO. I called him and I said, Raymond, I just want to thank you because I just became CEO of the credit union and it's because of you. And he said, really? And I said, yeah, do you remember that time? a long time ago when I gave you the hundreds and he started laughing. Oh, so yeah. I remember that. And I said, well, you know, I could have gotten fired. He goes, yeah, yeah, I know. That's why I brought it back. And I was whispering to you. I said, yeah, I know. <laughs> and I said, had you told everybody I would have been
0: fired. That's so, so awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so I'm the person that like is not the smartest or brightest, you know, but, um, I have a heart to serve. And I think most of us do. And I have an incredible executive team and I have learned from all these smart leaders by following podcasts like yours, that it is not about me. It is about me bringing out the best in my first team, hiring smart people to tell me what we need to do and me getting out of their way, me giving them everything they need to succeed and facilitating an environment where we have healthy conversations, which can mean healthy conflict, but that we get along, we trust each other, and we celebrate our wins together, and I am just really blessed that I was mentored by the best CEO in the world. And that's, awesome. that's why I'm in this position that I'm
0: in. That's so awesome. And, and it speaks volumes to, and, and validates everything we talk about on here is the power. You know, that whole command and control style of leadership is such, you're such a dinosaur if that's what you're embracing. And it doesn't work. And I would argue it's never really worked all that well, and certainly not for a sustainable business or sustainable objective no. or, or a legacy building organization or building. And and I love that you embrace that. And just going back to the blessing of having that great mentor of she got it. She understood it. And she realized that it was her job to teach you everything that she knew about leadership in life. That's that's what you do when you're in those roles. It's not about right. kicking back and I've arrived. You know, I've got the parts and, and,
1: and you know what? I would I would also say that leadership is not defined to a job description. Yeah. Uh, Or being employed by that company because my mentor who left um, out of the blue about two weeks ago, I got a card in the mail at work from her, specifically reminding me of my strengths, very specific what my strengths were, and that I was the right person for the right job at this right time. Two weeks out of the blue. Two weeks Uh ago, she's no longer my quote boss. She's not on payroll anymore, right? She is still a leader.
0: She's still doing the work. Yep. That's incredible.
1: And that I want to be that kind of person. I like, be that's kind of, the kind of leader I, I want
0: to be. I mean, hearing that, it gives me chills. I'm thinking, God, I got a lot of work to do. You know?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. Right.
0: And that's God, what? would I do that? And I don't know if I would right now. I don't know if I'd be thinking, not that I wouldn't want to. It's just that would I be thinking about that? God, I hope so. Yeah. You know? I love your story, Amy. I mean, it's just amazing. And I love, I love, and there's so much we haven't talked about, but I love how in the book that you, you kind of, you, it's like, I'm going back and forth. I'm going to where you were uh, as a young woman trying to get in the credit you. Then you fast forward to you, you're going through, you're taking me through um, your triathlon type thing, right? And you're, I love that you wrote that. It's really good. It's really puts, puts me in the spot. You know, I'm in, I'm swimming in the lake with you. you. With you when you get knocked in the face and your goggles get full of water, like kind of stuff. You're
1: you're stepping through the pee as you're walking through the lake. Yeah,
0: (laughs) look, it's just a fantastic book. I really loved it. I really did. Oh,
1: thank you, thank you so much. What?
0: what, There's so much to talk about, and I know that we we hit a lot of things that I wanted to talk about. And is there something that we haven't touched upon that you want to make sure gets across to the listeners out there? I mean, the book is great for anybody who's finds himself in a spot that maybe i think it's a perfect book and we all we all we all get there every now and then. i struggle with it finding that my life just seems a little too mediocre or comfortable and i think that it is our obligation to push ourselves into the growth zone and, and your book is a great example of that of like yeah i read it and i want to push myself a little bit further and take a baby step but what is it you want to make sure gets across that we haven't talked about or maybe said in this in this 45 minutes we've been talking
1: you know i think there is a um you know, I think, I think the listeners particularly that are listening to you are people who are wanting to be the best and learn how to lead correctly. I mean, I think they probably maybe tend to be overachievers. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. But I think a lot of us who listen to podcasts like yours, we're listening to it because we really are trying to become our best selves. We're, we're trying to do that. Yeah. And I think I would encourage everybody that while we do that, and while we have all these great habits and we read the great books and we listen to these great podcasts and we're trying to achieve, just make sure that you step back every so often and really have that moment where you think about what is really, really important in life because just like um, the book, The Death of the, D- the Dying that uh, Bronnie Ware wrote about, um, the hospice patients she was serving and their greatest regrets in life were not living a life true to themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, and you spoke about regret. And so, you know, I don't think it's a deal where you have to live every moment, like it's your last day and all that. I don't think that's possible, but I do think that you can strategically set aside time a few times a year, whatever that looks like for you to really take a step back, look at your life and just go, you know what? Is there some renovation that needs to take place? Is there, is there some adjusting? Like, have I gotten off course? Am I more focused on money or things? Am I focused on relationships? Like what, what needs to be adjusted here and just do that every so often.
0: I think that's a great message, you know, and it doesn't take a bombing or near death experience to to realize that the our lives have this worth and yeah. that we matter. I think that's important. I think sometimes we're like, oh, of course, it's easy for you because you've had that. But that, that's your message, though. I'm here to tell you, I- stop wasting the time, you know? Yes. And I think that yeah,
1: you don't have to have that. All you need is just to set aside some time. And maybe you need to think about a magic wand or something to help yeah. you. But like, just, yeah, think about it.
0: We just have to opt in. We just need to raise our hands and say, I opt into this life. Yeah. I right. opt into to pushing myself into the, into the growth zone, out of the comfort right. zone and right. start getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. That to me, that, yeah. that's living. And you're a great testament to that. And the book, Hope is a Verb, uh, speaks to that. It's an inspiring story for anybody out there. I think it certainly for business, but I think it's, it's a great self-help book. It's, it's a story for those of us that are kind of, tired, worn down, and maybe even living live a life of mediocrity or become too comfortable. So I encourage everybody to pick it up. How can people reach out to you, learn more about you?
1: Uh, probably the best way would be my website, which is amydowns.org. And um, there I've got information about myself, the book, and how to connect with me on social media.
0: Perfect. I'll have links to that in my show notes. Amy, what a thrill to, to connect with you. And uh, it's nice to know that you're just down the road. So next time in Oklahoma, I'd love to, to connect with you. And-
1: that would be fantastic. And this this has been an honor, truly. Thank you for your work on this show and helping leaders like me.
0: Well, thanks for the, the kind words, but thank you for, for writing the book and, and for being a great inspiration for all of us. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Hey, thanks so much for tuning into the show. I hope you got some value out of this episode. If you did, please do me a huge favor. Tell somebody about this show. Tell your spouse, tell your kids, tell your coworkers. Let them know about the value that Dosa Leadership brings to your world. Go to dosaleadership.com. You can learn more about my services. If you're looking for somebody to speak, teach, or coach about leadership, I'm your guy. I'm known for my ability to transform individuals and organizations, teaching them the concept of creating a culture of decentralized leadership. I do think that is the secret sauce to facing all the challenges that we face today. Thanks so much for tuning in the show. I look forward to the next time we're together. And until the meantime, make it a great one.